G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, on a Thursday, we do like to check in with Andrew McColl, who's the Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. Of course, it's very easy to feel seduced by government, to think that our welfare and our happiness is entirely dependent on them. And Andrew McColl is seeing the welfare state as an atheistic attempt to subvert God's plan. Andrew's been thinking through some of the challenges for the Christian community and taking more responsibility. Andrew, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's great to be with you again. Andrew, not so easy, perhaps, to know where to begin. If you're saying family ought to take more responsibility, where do you like to start? Well, it's always a challenge, Neil, for us Christians to think about accepting greater responsibility. At first thought, we think, oh, man, more responsibility? And uh, that can be a bit daunting or a bit off-putting. It's not... kind of full of lots of promise. We think, oh, mate, you know, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. <laughs> and our first thought can be, gee, a bit negative about that. But actually what we understand from Scripture is that power flows to people who do take responsibility. And the greatest example, of course, of that is Jesus himself. And um, so it's important that we find ways to encourage our hearts to do the things that the Bible encourages us to do. And we need to look for those examples in the scripture of of godly men and women who did accept responsibility, found themselves commonly in in a sea of challenges in the process, but found their way through that successfully. And, of course, the best examples is of, of Jesus himself. And you've got the growing impact of wisdom and stature. I mean, that's isn't that what they write about Jesus? Uh, you know, kept increasing in wisdom and stature. Uh, Luke records that in Luke chapter 2. Is there a sense here in which when you're growing in wisdom and stature according to God, uh, you're going to be on a particular thought path? which is easily distracted by uh, all sorts of other ways of taking you away from that, and especially when uh, you know, around increasing wisdom and stature, particularly around family, perhaps. Well, that's, that's exactly right, Neil. And I think we can take a, a leaf out of Jesus' example. Jesus began, as, as we know, well, in, in terms of his human life as a baby with Mary and Joseph, and Luke describes for us what he was like as a 12-year-old. Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2, right at the end, the last two verses of Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2, the Bible says, And he, speaking of Jesus, went down with them, that is, his parents, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favour with God 
and men. So we see right from get-go, Jesus is dealing with the fundamental things that he could deal with and, and should have dealt with as a 12-year-old boy. He was, he was heavenly, Jesus was, was very heavily orientated towards his family after, of course, his heavenly father. He wanted to keep the commandments of the Lord, which he found, of course, we find, of course, in the Old Testament, honour your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land. So he began with obedience within the family, and we should do the same. Christians must ask themselves, what are our family responsibilities? Now, you've boiled some of those responsibilities down to some uh, very interesting and actually fairly simple principles to follow. And we've had some earlier conversations around these as well. Uh, Education, health and welfare. It sounds like the sorts of things that governments deal with, but you're saying that Scripture tells us that these are our family responsibilities. How does that fit today? Well, it, it fits very well if, if we take Scripture itself and let Scripture give us our marching orders rather than look to our society or look to government uh, to be a, a kind of... A, a goalpost for us. I mean, we know that there are lots of promises that governments make to us and they're very enticing. They're very alluring. They're full of wonderful things being held out in front of us. Uh, but we have to think about these and think, well, can these people really do all that they promise to do? Jesus warned us in a way when he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. This is John 15, verse 14. So it's not as if Jesus is friends with everybody because he's not. He's friends of those who would do what he told them to do. So you've just got a, a large proportion of the population who don't make the grade at the moment in terms of being friends of Jesus. And so we, we've got to go, well, hey, this, you, you, you're setting the bar a bit high there, Andrew. And I'm saying, well, that's what Scripture tells us to do. So we can't be Jesus' friends if we submit to slavery, which is actually what the welfare state that we see us today, what it actually leads us to. It's an atheistic attempt to subvert the plan of the Lord through its direct attempts to control the family and assert power over it. And it represents a steady drift into authoritarianism and slavery. And it's happening today in Australia and right around the, the Western nations of the world. It's been happening now for generations and it's getting worse. So we're not separated from what governments do. Uh, in fact, we're paying our taxes. We live in the society that we're living in, Andrew. But I imagine what you are getting at here is saying that even though you are in the society in which you live and you have responsibility in that society, yes, you're paying taxes. Uh, yes, you're obeying the civil laws. But higher than that, there is the priorities that God brings so what are we to do with these? And I wonder if we might work our way through 
education, health and welfare briefly, just uh, getting your thoughts on a few of those. So if we're starting with education, uh, how do we as Christian believers uh, orient ourselves to a godly plan and recognise that there are some different plans that our secular governments might have for us? Well, the first step is, as I was saying earlier, Neil, is to take responsibility. What do our children need? Whose example will we follow? Will we follow Abraham's example or will we follow Lot's? And God said about Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and in him all the nations of the world will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. That's Genesis 18, verses 17 to 19. Now, we know today that governments promise to educate our children, but their attempts historically have been costly failures. Julia Gillard, when she was Prime Minister, or actually when she was the Minister for Education, she promised to turn things around, but her promises proved to be a whole lot of hot air. The $32 billion education revolution accomplished nothing of value. We've seen all those great big sheds in schoolyards all over Australia. How could they ever improve educational standards? Unfortunately, the standards of Australian children concerning their education are steadily dropping. So there's something wrong. Something wrong. And so it's not just the dollars that governments will promise for education, but it's the outcomes. And of course, those outcomes, whether they're just reading, writing and arithmetic, also are accompanied by values. If the values take you away from God, uh, there's a problem there too. Well, that's, that's at the heart of, of all of this. And, and, and the, the challenge we, we've been facing now for decades now is that is educational bureaucrats seem to be pushing anti-Christian agendas on children like transgenderism. And there's, there's vast amounts of money being made available to education departments. But it, it has been alleged, and I think there's something, there's some substance to the allegation, Neil, that the, the Labor Party's very tied very closely to the education union. So when when governments say oh, it's going to be more money for your children's education, well, okay, sounds good. Or is it really more money for our union supporters? And is is it is that what's what's being set aside money for? Is it really for the children's education, or is it staying on side with the union backers who back the Labor Party? So it's not as if there aren't some potential agendas at work here. And they're very commonly, they are agendas that us Christians have some problems with, Put it, putting it nicely. Okay, well, uh, there's some thoughts there on education. Uh, one of the other planks, health. Where do we start by getting a Christian wisdom foundation around health, given that we've got these examples from biblical history, which... Uh, going back thousands of years and and putting those into our modern context, how do we get, how do we glean a principle here, Andrew? 
Well, we have to take responsibility once again. And you'll pardon me, <laughs> listeners, if I kind of keep using that that two phrase, uh, uh, two word phrase, take responsibility. But that's what Jesus effectively told us to do. So we we want to look after our health and our children's health. So and and, and we will always have needs. There were needs that come up for various kinds of health issues, at which point we we can hire the people we need help from. And we even see that example in in Genesis, in chapter 35, verses 8 and 17, where we have mentioned in that chapter of Jacob's family or his household. And, of course, Jacob had a big household, not just because he had lots of children, one of the reasons, but because he had a, a lot of people that working with him who were who he who were classified as members of his household, who were who were working with animals and various things, and and one of the things that we or two of the things we see mentioned in that chapter are the nurse and the midwife. So obviously these people were valued members of Jacob's community, and we don't know whether they were actually paid or whether they had other forms of income. They were part of his household. So we see here that we accept the fact that that, that there are medical professionals in our community who have something to contribute to us of great value, and they will be needed. And there's a lot more that we can do. We can think about going on the internet. And look and find out what will be best for everyone in the family in terms of diet and exercise. Well, what does the evidence indicate? Will junk food be sufficient? What about the prevalence of sugar in the Western diet today? Is it actually good for us? Or could it even be working against our health? Do we need more sunshine? Do we need to increase our, our, our vitamin D intake? And lots of other things dealing with the wisdom of COVID mandates and lockdowns. Uh, were these actually justified by research evidence or were they simply a means of oppressing billions of people, of healthy people worldwide, while greatly being increasing the powers of governments right around the world? In Australia, why is the Therapeutic Goods Administration or the TGA being challenged at the moment by a class action in court about the COVID pandemic? Corrupted. Was there a cover-up? Was it more interested in power in our community rather than service? Well, of course, there's all sorts of health issues physically. There's also, and it would be a whole new dimension too, but those health issues mentally in which as Christian believers, we've got a huge responsibility, no doubt, on our shoulders as parents, certainly for the raising of our children and our families and their mental health welfare. Hey, let's talk through this third plank very briefly, uh, welfare. How do we as Christian believers uh, take responsibility for welfare? Well, what if welfare over time, Neil, was was shifted back from government to a personal and family responsibility? What could we manage that? Why why couldn't we? Wouldn't radically dropping our tax rates in our in our community in Australia help us to do that? Does the Bible speak about welfare being a personal thing? Yes, it does. We read there in in the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 19, when you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan and for the widow. 
in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So we see here that there, there are aspects of all of this, of education and health and welfare, that the Bible speaks to us plainly about. And as I said, I, we understand the promises of government are alluring, but I'm going to suggest to our listeners today they're actually a Trojan horse. We think we're going to get one thing. We may get a portion of what we wanted, but we may get other things as well. Uh, challenging, of course, around issues to do with welfare. If we're concluding our conversation here, Andrew, uh, so taking control and really not taking away altogether, but wrestling back responsibility. I can see that's what you're sort of moving towards there. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start with a way that you can actually take back some of these things that can actually lead you to slavery and so that you then have that freedom to make decisions about your own family and your own values and your own future. Thoughts as we just close off here? Well, we started off talking a little about Jesus and, and his example as a child even. And and he began with personal obedience to his father and mother and finished up, and we, as we see in the Great Commission, he finished up with all authority being given to him. His example is ours. What ought we do? Obey the Lord in our family by taking responsibility for its education, its health and its welfare, facing the challenges and the consequences and receiving the blessings just as Jesus did. And what was his promise? His promise to us in Luke 12, verse 32, and I close with, with this, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Well, Andrew McColl, uh, always good to glean thoughts around family and uh, taking things a little deeper and uh, certainly appreciate the way you can draw those principles from Scripture. And yes, uh, we're going to have to grapple with those in our 21st century context, but those principles still apply and God's blessing is still based on that obedience. Andrew McColl is Family Voice Australia State Director for the State of Queensland. Let me point listeners to how to connect with Andrew. Familyvoice.org.au Familyvoice.org.au Andrew is also the author of a number of books. Check those out too. And there'll be a link on the Family Voice website. Familyvoice.org.au Andrew McColl, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. All the best to you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.